It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In today's show, we're looking at buy low and sell high players, guys who are overperforming, guys who are underperforming. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball, on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball, on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball and where's the other one? Substack. That's it. JoshLloyd48.substack.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's pricepicks.com. The promo code is locked on. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here to talk buy low, sell high players. Um, again, remember, not an ex- exhaustive list. 10 buy lows, 10 sell highs. Doesn't mean you have to trade for them, doesn't mean you have to trade them away. It's about inquiring and seeing if you can get value in a deal. Otherwise, the sell highs, you write out. The buy lows, you you let someone else keep them. Right? You try and get value in all trades. There is no such thing as a must-trade for or must-trade away player. Right? There's no such thing as that. So it's about just trying to establish how it makes sense for your team and trying to get the value. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, that's fine too. So let's look at how we did on this show a couple of weeks ago. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> all right. Week six, two weeks ago, the buy lows. Keldon Johnson was a buy low, and he's gotten worse. Yish. 230th ranked player he was, and then uh, 318th in the two weeks since then. I do believe, and we saw that last game, that he is going to improve from just that horrific, horrific field goal percentage. So I'm not too worried about that one, but obviously it's been really rough the last two weeks for Keldon. So that's an L. Ron Barrett was 265th, and you know that I've talked about him a lot, saying that in category leagues, he's really hard to roster unless your team is specifically built around it. But I did say that if your team is built around that, that there was going to be improvement here from RJ. And he was. He improved. He was 265th. He's 137th. 137th is still not very good. But that's sort of where the ranking formulas end up with RJ most of the time. And you can't really ask for huge amounts more than that. Kawhi Leonard. He was 301st. This was partly because, hey, I do think you can get him for absolutely nothing. People are dropping him. He came back. He played one game. That was that game yesterday against the Hornets where he hit the game winner. It still was nowhere near his best, but he was 182nd um, based on a per-game value for that last two weeks just from that one game. The most important thing is he played 28 minutes in that game. And I do think that if you were able to trade for him in the last two weeks, that he is going to beat whatever value you gave up to get him. I don't know that. And there's still going to be plenty of... Um, games missed for Kawhi, but it's a, it's, it's a good sign to see 28 minutes in one game. The next one, Gary Trent Jr. Nice, Gary! You know I'm not a big Trent fan, but he was 337th. He's 124th in the last two weeks. I still am not sure where he's going to go from here. 
because playing off the bench, he might only play 25 to 27 minutes a night. And volume is probably what he needs. But I'd hold for now. We'll see where it goes. Um, don't really think he's going to hit ADP, which was at like 90 or 80 or something like that. We know that the field goals are going to be rough, but he was always going to get better than that. And he did. DeJounte Murray was 86th. He was a buy low. He's now 26th over the last two weeks. I think 26th is probably about bang on where his value is going to lie rest of season. In terms of the sell highs, Brunson was 24th. Since then, he's been 93rd. The reality for him, I think, somewhere lies in the middle between 40 and 60. So again, if you're able to capitalize on a sell high for Brunson, good work. The pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. He was 31st. We knew there was no way of that sticking. He is 123rd since. Pretty obvious stuff, I think. Um, yeah, I still believe that his value for fantasy leagues in 12-team leagues increases as we, as we head ho- closer to the playoffs. Just a solid contributor where you're not taking as many upside swings. But for now, he's just not that good. Um, Bones Highland, the big stiffy, the five-minute man. He was 37th. Now, I didn't expect him to drop to 381st. I didn't expect him to have a $5 trillion. Or maybe it wasn't a $5 trillion. Anyway, it was a bad game last time out. I didn't expect him to miss a million games from uh, being ill. Somewhere, yeah, I don't really know where his value fits considering that Malone went to Ish Smith over him last game, which was a little bit troubling for his value. That was a clear buy or clear sell high for, for Highland and hopefully he got something for him. Ubre was 43rd. He's pulled down to 119th since then. He's going to have those percentage issues. I think long-term, he's going to have minutes and usage issues. 119, 90 to 120 is probably a fair zone for him while Ball and Haywood and Martin remain out. But that sort of top 50 numbers weren't weren't likely to stick. While Bob Portis has dropped a little bit, 79th down to 92nd. I still think that Portis is probably going to fall outside the top 100. The Middleton absence had helped him. And they'd played big with Giannis, Brooke, and and Bobby together a little bit more than what they probably will moving forward now. And I think Portis will probably end up falling outside that top 100. Um, So he's sort of still got a little bit of extra value here, but it's not enough to really consider as much of a uh, of a sell high, I don't believe. The first buy low for this one is Christian James McCullum. Now, he's only played two games since returning from COVID, but they've been bad. It's not minutes-wise. He's fine, 33 minutes a game. But he's the 359th ranked player in those games, 216th in points leagues. He's averaging under 17 fantasy points. Why is it happening? Now, his shooting this season has been bad. He's under 40% for the year. But since returning, 23%, 14% on threes. 27% on twos. That is all concerning. Now, again, his shooting hasn't been good this year. He's hitting only 33% from three and only 44% from two. But even, yeah, he's well below those numbers. I'm also concerned that just 16 usage in the two games, and that's probably where I'm a little bit more worried, is that they seem to have just so many options. Alvarado stepped up last game. Yeah, Zion. This is without Ingram as well, that his usage was so low. Did he just sort of sit sitting back and go, well, the shot's not really falling. Let me do some other stuff. That's that's a little bit troubling. But we do expect that. Now, he shot 46% from the field last season. He's at 23% these last two games. His rebounds are pretty low, 3.5. He's at 4.9 for the season. He, and that usage really low. So while I don't think CJ's really got much hope of hitting, where was he getting drafted? In the 40s in some spots? I don't think he's got much hope of hitting that. I do expect him to step back up from here. Maybe he's not a 20-point-per-game scorer, but I do think that he is a better shooter than what we have seen so far this season. The next buy low 
We go to Ja Morant. Now, it's not really as a points league by low because his points league numbers are pretty solid. He's still 12th in points leagues over the last two weeks. 47.6 versus 47.3. Actually, his last two weeks in points leagues are ahead of his season value. But for category leagues, he's hurting a lot. He's the 98th ranked player over the last two weeks. That's not great for a guy that many people would have taken in the top 20. Some would have taken in the top 30. He's really fallen away. For the season, he's down now outside the top 40. But why has there been this big slump? Well, he can't hit free throws and he can't hit them at a big volume. 65% is just not good enough. And he's doing that on 10 attempts. That is paralyzing to your fantasy team. That makes him a punt free throw guy. That makes him Giannis. Not quite, but makes him Giannis. 74 for the season is where he's at. That's not a great number, but it's also not one that's not recoverable from. So we hope that this, whatever this run is of being under 70 doesn't stick. But over the last 12 games, he's still at 67%. So maybe he is turning into a punt free throw guy. But I still expect some improvement here. Also, the three-point shooting, which started out really strong, has fallen away as well. He was hitting like 40%, which was part of the reason that we said there's a little bit of unsustainability here in what he's doing. Um, but he's gone back to 32% from three over the last six games. And that, of course, impacts three-point volume, another one of those areas where Jar struggles in a category fantasy league. And while he's not a shot blocker, he has highlight blocks, but he's not a consistent shot blocker, he hasn't blocked a single shot in six games. This is a guy that averages 0.3 blocks per game. So that's one every three games. And while, again, this is not a major, major issue, it is still an impact. You lose those two blocks for the week. It impacts his ranking numbers. Some people abide by ranking numbers very strictly. So when they see Jar Morant's player rate of value over the last 15 days or whatever it is, they'll see it drop down. And they might not realize what it's about, whether it is those blocks or the bad free throws or the lack of three-pointers. Like there's a number of factors in there. And that even if he just had one block, that would change things decently. It would at least give it a couple of ranking spots back and help that overall value, even though on your team, it probably doesn't make that big of an impact. And that is important to know how that stuff is constructed. Today's episode is brought to you by PricePix. PricePix is daily fantasy and it's daily fantasy made easy. It's no salary cap. It's not against thousands of different people. It's you versus player projections. So you go in there, jar around, over under one block or half a block. You put it in. And you get between two to six of those individual player projection lines, Luca and his points, or CJ McCullum and his threes. Stick them all in, and if you, you can win up to 25 times your entry fee. You can do this in over 30 US states. You can do it in Canada, and you can do it for sports that aren't just the NBA. You've got disc golf, you've got NFL, you've got NHL, college football, college basketball, both men's and women's. You've got PGA, NASCAR, boxing, cricket, soccer, so many different sports that you can do with PricePix. So download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with a promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I think Terry Rozier is a buy low. He, people are hating him at the moment. People are asking me whether, hey, he's doing too much damage to my team. I might as well just drop him. Okay. He's 85th over the last two weeks in Category Leagues, 30th in points leagues. And much like Jar, his points league difference isn't that much. It's a little bit more than Jar's. He's at 30... Actually, no, he's actually playing better for points leagues over the last two weeks. My mistake. He's at 39 fantasy points versus 36 for the season. But still, he is still hurting people in terms of overall production. Why? Well, it's the shooting, really. He's 10 percentage points behind where he was for three last season. Will the, re the return of LaMelo Ball help? Perhaps, maybe Rozier is really struggling, as he should, as the number one guy, because he's not a number one player. Much like we talked about Keldon Johnson, Rozier is not a number one offensive focal point. Now, Ball's absence is helping Rozier in terms of the assists going up, but hitting only 27.6% from three hurts. That's down from 37. Hitting only 47% from two, down from 52 last season, hurts. This is a guy that in the past has been a poor shooter, but seemed to correct that problem. Was that all because he was playing alongside Lamelo Ball? Well, maybe. It's been the two seasons that he played next to LaMelo Ball. Those percentages went up, and now he's playing again without LaMelo, and they're back down. So, you know, one and one might equal two in this situation. It might equal 69. I've got no idea about how that ball factor is there, but it seems like there is a pattern in that. And that means if LaMelo returns, yes, usage and assists will drop, but big jumps in percentages should bring Rogier back inside the top 50, back inside the top 40. And with people not necessarily associating those things together or just saying, well, this guy just kills me every week with his shooting. And that that's true. He is hurting so much. If you're in a punt field goal build where you can absorb that, getting Rogier back for any sort of top 60 player, I think it's a win. I think he's going to improve from here pretty rapidly and pretty significantly, even though it's been quite a rough start to the year. I think there is going to be some step ups. The other thing that um, we need to see him get better at is blocks, much like Jar. Like, he's not a big block guy, but hasn't blocked one in a month. The steals have been down, although recently they're starting to come up. He's had four steals in the last three games, which is better than what he was doing, but no blocks. And that, again, it just puts a little bit of an extra dampener on what he's able to produce. Darius Garland, a little bit down at the moment. 84th in category leagues over the last two weeks, 51st in points leagues. He's... Three and a half fantasy points off his season average, averaging 34 versus 37 and a half. Why is that? Is it the Donovan Mitchell effect? Not really, because he's been playing with Mitchell all season. We're just seeing a decline in his production because the shots aren't going in. And it's, there's so many patterns like this, isn't there? He's hitting just 43% from two. Last season, he hit 51. And you would think, again, logically, if we're going to use the Rogier example, hey, better teammate, I get better looks. It doesn't always work out that way. But an eight percentage point drop from Garland in two-point shooting is probably going to come back up. Now, for the year, he's at 45% from two, so that's not that much lower than 43, but there's still plenty of room for that to improve. He's also hitting under 35% from three, but for the year, he's been a 41% three-point shooter. He was 38 last year. He was 40 the year before that. 
He's got a track record of being a good shooter. He's just in a cold streak. The other thing is steals. 1.2 steals this season. 1.3 last season. 1.2 the year before that. Last seven games, 0.7. That 0.7 versus 1.2 is a sizable difference. It turns you from being a solid positive in steals to being a negative in steals. And that brings you from being a top 30, top 40 player. He's 38th for the season. Along with the percentage reductions to being outside the top 80 over these last two weeks. And it's not hard to see that three-point percentage jump a little bit. The steals get back to 1.1. The two-point percentage go to at least 47, 48. And then you're back inside the top 40 or top 50 really comfortably. Garland, it might be a hard buy low to pull off. Um, but again, it just depends on the manager who has him. The manager who's buying it, is it a Mitchell effect that's causing this? Because some people will think that. and you know, They go to that logical or somewhat logical idea that it's Mitchell that's impacting his ranking, thinking that a ranking is like a pie you can take slices out of. That if Mitchell's the 30th ranked player, that means that has to take ranking positions away from Garland when the rankings are always built into individual projections. And it's not really the usage thing that's impacting Garland. In fact, Garland's usage for the season is 28. Last season, it was 27.5. And, and he's only at 26.2 over the last two weeks. It's not the usage thing that's the problem. It's not the assists thing that's really the problem, although he is down one assist from last season, but his numbers over the last two weeks are exactly the same as they are for the season. It's these other factors which are really Mitchell independent, but it doesn't always come across that way. So another buy-low opportunity there. The last buy-low is another point guard. And it's one that is, I don't know, one that maybe people haven't realized. The reason I've included this one here is his injury, and that's Tyrese Halliburton. I don't know that he's going to be out too long with that um, groin issue. But Halliburton's been great this season. 11th ranked player. Except over the last two weeks where he's 37th. And in points leagues, he's 17th. He's only averaging one fantasy point fewer. 43.7 versus 44.6. It's only one fantasy point different. But what part of the reason that Halliburton's been so great is assists. Yes. Great. They're still there. 11 a game. Steals, two a game. Still there. Great. But the other thing, and part of the reason I was... I wasn't skeptical, but I was like, well, I'm not sure with him. I still had him as a first-round guy, don't get me wrong. And I think I had him at like 10 or 11, so bang on where he is. Part of the reason why I was like, I'm not sold on it 100%, or I have, you're going to put my skeptic hat on, is like, how does his efficiency stack up when he has to be the number one guy and bumping up usage? And in general, it's been good until recently. 42.6% from two. He's at 54 for the season. Now, that 54 for the season is pretty high, considering he was only at 52 last season, but a big drop-off. His three-point percentage from 37 for the season down to 30. This is a guy that hit 41 last season and 41 the year before that. We don't expect 41% three-point shooting because it is hard to maintain that level when you are the number one guy, but 30%? I don't think so. And then, inexplicably... He's gone from an 86% free throw shooter as a rookie, 84% last season, 84% this season, but 73% over the last six games. So you're going from a high volume, high percentage, big positive to actually a significant negative. Now, actually, he's not high volume. He doesn't really take any free throws at all, but still going from a positive into a negative in free throws, it hurts your scoring. And when you're, all your shooting numbers are down, his true shooting has gone from 58 to 46 like, it's a big, big dip. I still have him as a first-round player. The fact that he's injured, slumping, I know people won't really consider Nempard a guy that's going to challenge him at all, but you never know. 
There are reactive fantasy players out there. I'd more be looking at the people who are worried about an injury, the um, yeah, doomers who talk about tanking and shutdowns and all that sort of stuff to see if I can get, like it's, it's not going to be a big buy low, but a top 20 player for Halliburton. I'll, I would invest in him for sure. I do think that there's pretty good evidence that at least that three-point percentage is going to be better than 30 and that the free throws jump back over 80. I think we've got pretty good evidence in that, even if the two-point percentage doesn't quite hit the heights that it did this season. But again, he's been a 50-plus percent two-point guy all of his career and a 40% three-point shooter all of his career as well. So I do expect some step-ups there. Um, From old mate Tyrese Halliburton. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball, soccer, esports. It's all there at betonline.net. We've got the NFL week done for this season. So, Thursday night football, it's the former Battle of Los Angeles, the Raiders versus the Rams. The Rams are six point underdogs at home at SoFi, but that and all of the week 14 um, odds for the NFL, including the Dolphins and the Chargers, is up there. That's a Sunday night game. We've been flexing to Sunday night into primetime. You can check that all out at BetOnline. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's go another um, sell-high player. JB, you've done it again. Jalen Brown's on a real roll. Ninth-ranked player over the last two weeks, 11th in points leagues. He's averaging almost 48 fantasy points, which is up from the 42 that he's been averaging for the year. So what's happened here for Jalen, who's been really good all season, not not saying he hasn't. He's the 15th-ranked player, actually, over the course of the year. But what he is doing at the moment, I don't think that he's able to maintain top 20 numbers for this season, but he has been excellent. But this top 10 run that he's on is probably unlikely to stick because, A, he's hitting 63% of his two-pointers. Last season, look, this is what he was. The last three years, 54, 54, and 54 from two. This season, he's at 59 but that is also boosted by the fact that he's hitting 63% of his two-pointers over the last seven games and 62% over the last 15 games. So on a massive hot streak. Now, we can we can bank that he has improved a little bit. But going from 54 to 63 and maintaining 63 two-point percentages as, as a perimeter player on 30 usage is staggering. So I think there's going to be a fall-off here. The other thing he's doing is getting to the, the free-throw line more. The last three seasons, 4.3, 4.3, 4.8 free throw attempts. This season, 5.4. Last seven games, 6.9. And when you go from, everything's improving. He's, he's been great. He's gone from 72, 76, 76 from the line. Now he's hitting 88 from the line. So when you bump your volume up by 50%, you improve your free throw shooting by 12 percentage points, it pushes you into the top 10. I don't think Jalen Brown can stay in the top 10 because there's just so many big leaps all happening at once. But I'm not I'm not completely ruling that out. In saying all of this, 
Ninth over the last two weeks, 15th for the season. If I could get a top 15 player for Jalen Brown, I would do it. Because I just think there are some... The usage might stick at 31. It's very high. Maybe one of those percentages sticks. Maybe the two-point stick. Maybe the free throws stick. Maybe the free throw attempts stick. But I don't think they all can. And that's going to lead to him falling a little bit. Probably into the 20s. Maybe into the 30s, which is where he's basically been most of the year. But this is just a really huge step forward in so many different areas for Jalen Brown, which he needs to be credited for. It just feels like there's maybe a little bit of that that's not quite as sticky. John Ray Ayton, been really strong as well. 14th ranked player over the last two weeks, 21st in fantasy points leagues. We talked about the criticisms I've had of Ayton of being not aggressive and not getting to the line, because that was true. But without Chris Paul, he stepped it up. And it's always important, again, to remember narratives that get thrown around there. Well, with Chris Paul there, so many easy lobs. But for Aiton, it's been the opposite. With Chris Paul there, it really hurts him for some reason. And now he's sort of broken free of that. Whether that can stick, I don't really know. He's averaging 42 fantasy points versus only 34 for the season. He's doing it with a different couple of different things. 71% from two. Now, as a big man, you think that's fine, but it's very hard for anyone to be a 70% two-point player. He's at 64. What's he at? 64 for the season. He was at 64 last season from two. And guess what? He was at 64 the year before that. So there's six percentage points dropping down. His free throw attempts, which again, I've been critical of. He was at 2.3, 2.5, 2.4, and then 2.9 this season. Last eight games, 4.5. So you're looking at a 50% increase again in free throw attempts rates. And he's been more aggressive on the boards, going from 9.6 to 12.3 rebounds. I think if there's one thing that might stick, it might be the rebounds, but his last four games... So half of the last two weeks, he's back at 9.5. So maybe there is something to say in that all of these things, that high efficiency, the improvement in free throw attempt rate and aggression, uh, the rebounds, even the usage, which isn't actually that different, but those things, that free throw attempt rate, the rebounds and the field goals, they probably don't stick at this level and they don't stick with him being a top 15 player. I think top 40 is really, like he's 45th of the season. I think top 40 he can be. He could, might even be able to be top 35 or top 30. So if I could trade him as the 14th best player over the last two weeks, if I could get a top 25 guy back, I would do it. But you know, there is, there is a chance that some of what he is doing sticks. Although, again, 71% from two is a really hard number to be able to keep up. D'Angelo Russell. 24th ranked player over the last two weeks in category leagues, 32nd in points leagues. In points leagues, he's averaging 38 fantasy points, and that is at versus 32 for the season. And some would say this is because Carl Anthony Towns is out. And I don't really think that's true because his usage has gone from 22% for the season to 21.5 over the last two weeks. It's actually decreased. Now, what has happened, he's played 35 minutes because a lot of these games have been played without Jordan McLaughlin, who was a guy that was cutting into his playing time. So that... I think is something for us to watch. Although in saying that, last game with McLaughlin back, he played 36 minutes. So maybe it's able to stick. But D'Angelo Russell's never been a guy that we can look at as an efficient player. He's hitting 44% of his shots this season. He was at 41 last season, 43 the year before that. And guess what? 43 the year before that. But over the last two weeks, he's at 49. He's hitting 63% from two, which is a staggering amount for a bloke who's never hit 50 in a season before. So that is going to drop. He's at 54 for the season. And that's even well above his career numbers. He's also a guy that's given you some issues from the free throw line. He's at 78% this season. But over the last six games, 86. 
and it's on low volume. That can very easily swing. His assists, maybe I buy this. He's at 6.7 for the year. He's at 8.2 over the last six games, which two of those have been without Towns. And I can see his playmaking sticking. I'm just putting this here to show where he's improved. I can see that sticking from him. But what I can't see sticking is the improvement in that shooting. I don't I don't believe he's that level of shooter. Um, nothing would suggest that he is a two-game sample, a two-week sample size versus a seven-year career would suggest that he's not that level of shooter. And I, I just, yeah, I don't really see how he's able to push push all that um, much higher than where it's been. So if I could get any top 50 guy back for D'Angelo Russell, I think I probably would do it. He's 67th for the season. He's always sort of hovers in that 55 to 75 type range. Um, it is a nice little hot streak that's pushing at the moment, but it is, I think, on the back of some unsustainable finishing numbers. The next one we look at is Marcus Smart. He's at 32 fantasy points versus 29.4 for the season. Pretty obvious why. 47% from three. Who thinks of Marcus Smart as an elite three-point shooter? Like, you shouldn't, but that is what is currently happening with him at the moment, just hitting them at a ridiculous rate. He's at 36% for the season. He was at 33 last year, 33 the year before that, 35 the year before that. This is going to cool off. His two-point percentage is also... I think every person on the Celtics has a two-point percentage through the roof. They are shooting everything. They are hitting every shot. And at some point, it's going to regress. Marcus Smart hit 51% last season, 48 the year before that, 48 the year before that. He's at 62 in the last seven games. It's such a big step up. And while two-point percentage feels like it's well up in the league, you're either massively above where you've been or there are a few players who are just massively below. But there's so many players who are just sky high. At some point, it is going to cool off. That 62.1% two-pointers, that can easily drop six, seven percentage points. Remember, he was under, he's been under 50 for most years of his career. And he's assists at 8.7 versus 7.6 for the year. Now, I just include this one. He might stay at eight. I think there's a distinct possibility he stays at eight assists per game. Now, that, that, that's possible. He's really focusing on that. He was at 5.9 last season, though. It is a big leap forward, but it does feel like that's something that's more likely to stick. The other stuff, probably not. I still look at Marcus Smart as a 70 to 90 ranked player. So if I was able to trade him for any sort of top 60 guy, I think I would do it. And the last one is Trey Jones. This one's an interesting one. Trey Jones is 54th over the last two weeks. He's 62nd in points leagues. He's averaging 33 fantasy points versus 29.5. How's he doing it? Well, you look at his numbers and immediately you just want to look what his three-point percentage is and you go, oh, he's hitting 18%. So he's not hitting any threes at all. Now, he's never a big three-point volume guy. His actual three-point volume is exactly the same as what it's been all year. 0.7 threes a game versus 0.8 game. 0.8. It's not a big difference. The percentage is horrific, but what he is doing is he's converting his two-pointers at a huge rate, 49% on twos. For the year, he's at 45. Now, I think he probably can settle around the 50, 48, 50 mark for two-pointers. That, that's possible for him. But this level of efficiency seems pretty unlikely to me. Now, he's been an excellent free-throw shooter, 91% all season. It's on very limited uh, sample size. Last season, he was at 78, but... As a rookie, on even smaller sample size, he was at 90. So gauging his free throw percentages is a guesswork thing. His first real rotation year, he was at 78, which was last season. And this year, he's at 91 as a starter. I don't know which one's real. I think he can be a really good free throw shooter. 91 is hard to maintain all season. And the other thing is, he's at 1.8 steals. 
Last season, he averaged 0.6 steals. Yes, in limited minutes, but he went from 1.3 steals per 36 up to two steals per 36 this season. And that's a really big number. And we know that steals are a big fantasy rankings influencer. So Trey Jones is on a nice little hot streak. Um, Can you trade him for a top 70 guy? I I would attempt to. Otherwise, I'd probably just ride this out. It's not like he's gaining big usage bumps from injury absences or anything like that. He's just turned it up with great or improved shooting, great free throws and improved free throw attempt rate and adding an extra 20% or whatever it is on his steals. That helps. All of that stuff helps. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Fred Van Bleet wasn't on the show today because he was on the Bilo show last week. He is still a massive Bilo, but I still want to repeat guys week to week. So Fred Van Bleet's still on the list. Um, on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments. Ring the bell. Guys, we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.